Well, I want to welcome you here today. Welcome over in the uh, venue. I'm thankful for Jared and John leading worship over there and Lauren Youngman playing the keyboards for the first time, rocking it out over there. Thank you for using your gifts and Megan Barr is singing over there. Thank you. If you're listening on the radio, we welcome you. If you're listening online, we welcome you. And uh, we have uh, just lots and lots of people that listen in all different kinds of ways. And however you're listening, we're, we're, just, we're just glad. And um, for those of you that are visiting, where, whether you're over in the, the venue and there's lots of people over there, or you're in here and you're a first-time guest, uh, man, just we're glad you're here. All of us at one time or another were first-time guests here. And uh, we know it can be kind of nerve-wracking if you've never been to a church or this church, because you're wondering what's going to happen next, and, you know, people were standing a little bit ago, and then they're seated, and, and a little green thing went by, and, you know, what's all this stuff? And it can, you can get nervous, and I know, but uh, we're just glad that you're with us. Take a deep breath, and what we're going to do now is we're just going to look at God's Word and all of the, the verses that I'm going to talk about, if you don't have a Bible, are found inside this little shell. They'll come up on the jumbotrons because we want you to see the Word of God for, your, for yourself. But if you, have, if you have a Bible, you'll be able to follow along if you'd like. Before I get into the message, I do want to just say something about what happened here in Modesto this past uh, weekend, yesterday, really. Um, Love Modesto was an amazing deal. Literally thousands and thousands and thousands of people went out onto the streets of Modesto and just loved on this town. We were the hands and feet of, of Christ out in our community. And one of the things that um, we try to encourage people to do here is this, is that you don't have to go on a missions trip to Africa or Zimbabwe or Mexico or whatever to um, get dirty for the Lord and, and do some great things for God. We, we, we're right here in Modesto, and we ought, to, we ought to shine brightly here in our own community. And I just want to thank all of you who went out and, and really mixed it up in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ in all different kinds of areas. My wife, um, who works in Oliviana's closet, her, her little thing, her gift to the community was they, they literally took Oliviana's closet and moved it from here out to the Redwood Center where they were able to be a blessing to well over a hundred uh, uh, children, families. And these are young ladies primarily who made the decision to, to, to keep their babies. And they're in difficult spots. They don't have the shekels that most of us would have. They don't, they don't have anything. And so when they were out there yesterday, they gave out almost 4,000 diapers to these folks. They left another 1,500 at the Redwood Center, and they were able to give out clothes to all of these, you know, moms that, that, that needed little onesies and things for their, for their children. And those diapers and clothes don't just grow on trees. They, they had to come from somewhere. They came from you and your faithful giving to our church. And, and um, if you don't, if you don't put something in that basket, if you don't bring down all your clothes and all those things, and we can't go out to the Redwood Center and in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, be a blessing to all of, these, all of these folks. And I know there were lots of other things that went on, and I'm just very grateful. Also here in our town yesterday, 
Uh, one, of the, one of the great churches, one of the great ministries celebrated 50 years of being salt and light in our community, and that was Modesto, Modesto Christian School. Now think about this. How many of you are, are uh, 50 years or younger in here? Raise your hand. Okay, over in the venue, yeah. Modesto Christian was being salt and light in this community before you were ever born. That's how long that church and school have been telling people about Jesus Christ. And yesterday they had a, a big celebration out at their, their field and had a carnival and they had all kinds of uh, worship going on and it was really great. And I, I spent a lot of time praying for them that this would be a great weekend for them. And I thank God for all that they have done throughout all of the decades here, long before most of you in this room were over in the venue were even born they were being salt and light for Jesus. And so I know great things happened out there. And I, what I'm going to say next is going to shock some of you, but the Holy Spirit was actually working in uh, Fresno. <gasps> Fresno? <laughs> Holy Spirit was at work in Fresno? Could it be? Uh, some of you know, and uh, you know, you were praying for me. I got to speak at a, at a very large men's event in Fresno. And so yesterday morning, I got up and Made my way down there and got to speak with a whole bunch of guys. And it was just fantastic. I mean, it was just, just really great. And I saw the Holy Spirit work. And you had a part of it, those of you that were praying for me. I could sense that God was working in, in, in through your, your prayers. And so yesterday, whether it be here in Modesto or in Fresno, God was at work doing some great things. And then last night, wow. Last night here, you know, this is a big church and we got all different kinds of gatherings and we're meeting in here and then we're over in the venue and, and we have Saturday night gatherings and we got a Spanish-speaking gathering and it's just, it's just a large family. And sometimes you don't realize that, that, that God's at work doing some really cool things over in the venue right now, last hour in here. And man, last night was really great. It was just a, 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 a great, great time. And with all of the modern technology, you know, texting and emails, literally in a nanosecond, I get feedback from people on how the Lord is working in their lives. And, and I was just sitting in my green room over here a minute ago, and literally there were some folks who sent me some texts about how God was speaking to them last hour. And it's very encouraging to know that the Holy Spirit is at, at work here. But uh, anyway, we're in a series here at Big Valley Grace, if you're visiting with us, called Life. Jesus said this in John chapter 10. Jesus said that the thief's purpose is to steal, kill, and destroy. This is kind of our theme verse, if you will, for the series. That the devil, the demons, the, the false teachers that are out there, you can see them on TV, the false prophets, uh, they got one job, and that is they just want to mess up your life. They want to steal, kill, and destroy. And Jesus said, my purpose is different. My purpose is that I've come to give you a rich and satisfying life. Some of your Bibles say, I've come to give you a, an abundant life. And to get us started, I, I want to do a little, little review real, real quick. The, the first week, which was three weeks ago, I shared with you seven things that rob you of this life that Jesus came to give you. I shared with you that a lot of people, a lot of Christians die before they die. They die on the inside. And so they just kind of vegetate. They just kind of exist. 
And that might describe you here today. Yeah, your heart's beating, and yeah, there's some red blood cells that are running through your circulatory system and all of that, but basically you're dead on the inside. You know the Lord, you've given your life to Christ, but this idea of an abundant life, this idea of a rich and satisfying life has somehow escaped you. And I shared with you seven things, it wasn't a comprehensive list, but seven things that can rob you of this life that Jesus came to give you. Two weeks ago, I talked about the importance of having the right priorities in life. When your priorities get all messed up, that'll rob you of the life. And I I talked about the fact that your number one priority is that you would love and worship God above all else. That's non-negotiable. The very first commandment of the the great Ten Commandments is, is that you will have no other gods before me. Jesus said that the greatest commandment is that you love the Lord your God with all of your heart, soul, mind, and strength. The second priority is that we are to love and care about others. And then when I got to number three, four, and five, I said, hey, look, we could could wrangle about those. But number one and two are, without a doubt, to be our number one and two priorities. But then I put live holy, deal with the crummy things in your life, and always have a great attitude. And then last week, I talked about your position in Christ. I shared with you that when I used to go down to the uh, Stanislaus County Fair, I loved to go into the fun house. And in the fun house, they always had those crazy warped mirrors, and one made you look really tall, and one made you look really short, and one made you look really fat, and one made you look really skinny. Those mirrors gave gave you a distorted image of yourself. They gave you a warped image of yourself. And unfortunately today, many people have a warped image of themselves, a distorted image of themselves, and it could be because of how you were raised or whatever. And boy, when you really know how God sees you, it makes a difference. You you can really live this life that Jesus came to give you. And, you know, I gave you five things. One is that you're accepted by God. You've got access to God. You're a servant of God. You're valuable to God. The cross proves that, right? You're pretty valuable if God would send his son, Jesus Christ, to to die for you. I thought about it this week. If one of you was, I don't know, kidnapped and, you know, someone had a gun to your head and you were going to die, just like we were going to die in our sins, and somebody called me up and said, hey, listen, I'm going to let so-and-so go, but here's here's how it's got to go down. You got to give up your son, Cade. Um, Just tell Jesus I said hi because you're going to go see him personally. I'm not giving up my son, probably, for you. I love you, and I care about you, but I'm probably not going to give up my son. God gave up his son for you, for me. You've you, you got to be pretty valuable, right? And then I talked about the fact that you're forgiven by, by God. Well, today we're going to talk about how to Reduce the stress in your life because nothing will goof up the life that Jesus came to give you like stress. You see, it's impossible, this side of heaven, for us always to be on a spiritual high. We all have times in our lives when we don't feel close to God, right? We all have times in our lives when we feel disconnected from God. We all have times in our lives when we feel like we've lost our spiritual edge. We, we all have times when we get into what I would call maybe a spiritual slump. And if you've ever played baseball or you watch baseball on TV, you'll see that athletes, these baseball players, will get into these hitting slumps. And they just, you know, just can't get a hit. And they're just in a slump. 
We all get into those slumps. This side of glory, none of us are going to, you know, do it all perfectly. And if somebody tells you, hey, you know, I gave my life to the Lord 10 years ago, and every day has just been, it's an upward trajectory. They're lying to you. You see, we have this thing called the flesh that we have to deal with. And Paul said, no good dwells in our flesh. There are times when our flesh will get the better of us. It even got the better of the great apostle Paul at times. And you can read about that in Romans chapter 7. The great apostle Paul, at the apex of his ministry as an apostle, he, he tells us that there are these things that I know are wrong and are crummy and I don't want to do, but for whatever reason, there are times I do them. And the things that I know that are right, that are holy, that are good, that I, I know God wants me to do, for whatever reason, I don't do those things. You see, all of us will find these moments in our lives when our flesh will get the better of us. We'll get into these spiritual slumps. Now, you don't wake up one day and go, you know what? Today I'm going to go into a slump. Today I'm going to disconnect from God. Nobody does that. But it just kind of happens. And, and, and before you know it, you look the same. You, you know, your hair is the same. You're putting on your glasses the same. You got the same makeup. You go to the same job. You, you, you look the same. But something's happened inside. And people around you may not even know. Usually your spouse knows. Usually your spouse can tell something's going down. But the people you work with, people in your small group, they, they may not even know. And in my opinion, one of the major causes of these things that I'll call spiritual slums is stress. And here's the bummer. Stress is every bit a part of a, the American culture as hot dogs and apple pies and Chevrolets. It's unfortunate because it's not a part of a lot of other cultures. But in America, stress is every bit a part of the American scene. Hot dogs and apple pie and Chevrolet, which means the, the odds are, are pretty good that, that you're going to disconnect from God at some moment or another because it's just a part of, you know, uh, the, the culture. Every one of us in this room at some moment have, has been stressed out. In fact, some of you right now are stressed out. It's stressing you out that I'm talking about the fact that you're stressed out, right? <laughs> no, no. He's stressing me out. <laughs> You came here and you saw some people and you had a smile on your face and all of that and you came in here and the songs did something. The songs were able to take you someplace. But right now you're just thinking about something that's happening in your family with your teenagers, with your, with your parents, with your grandpa, something that's going on at business, at work, your house, whatever it is. And there's just this, this stress. You can hardly pay attention. And that's why I chose these 61 words here in Matthew chapter 11, because in them, Jesus gives us three great principles that'll help you when life becomes stressful, and they're going to become stressful. These are three steps that if you apply to your life, I guarantee you they'll, they'll, they'll reconnect you, if you will, back with God, or they'll keep you connected with, with God. And they're simple. Now, they're, they're, um, they're easy to sing about. Come to me, 
Come to me, all who are heavy laden and are weary. It's said on the little jumbotron thing that John wrote that back in, or this year in 2012, and that wasn't accurate. He wrote that song decades ago. Some of us, like Kristen and I, if you've been in the youth group with me, if you were one of the students in my youth ministry, we've been singing that song for a long time. I find myself singing that song a lot. In fact, I asked John and the worship guys, that's the song I want you to sing right before I come up. Because literally we were singing the scriptures. We were singing these 61 words. But it's easy to sing them and it's easy to read about them. But I guarantee you, listen to me, if you'll not just sing them and not just read them and highlight them in your Bible, but if you'd apply them, I I guarantee you, your life will be different. The stress level will come down. And everybody in your family will be happy. The people you work with will be happier. Your parents will be happier. The people you you do life with will be way happier when the stress level in your life comes down. Guarantee it. This can be a great day for for a a, a bunch of us, okay? So let's read these 61 words, okay? Matthew chapter 11, verse 28 says, Jesus said, come to me. Come to me. All of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you, because I'm humble and gentle at heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy to bear, and the burden I give you is light. The burden that Jesus gives is light. Now, the world will give you heavy burdens. The world will give you all kinds of things that will just burden you down. A lot of churches will do that, by the way, i just tell you. They'll put all kinds of heavy burdens on your life that God never intended for there to be on your life. And they'll even couch it in spiritual lingo. But Jesus says, the burden I give you is light. So what's the first de-stressor? De-stressor number one is this. Come to Jesus. Come to Jesus. Come to Jesus. Most people come to Jesus for salvation, right? Most people come to Jesus for forgiveness. Most people come to Jesus for the cleansing of their sins. That's why I originally came to Jesus. I knew that I was a sinful person. I recognized that my sin had separated me from the Father that my sin had messed up the relationship between me and my creator. I recognized there wasn't anything I could do to fix the problem. I recognized that Jesus was God's son who was sent for me to live this beautiful, perfect life and that he died on a cross and was put into a tomb and three days later he walked out of that tomb and now sits at the right hand of the Father. I recognized all that and I came to Jesus, if you will, And he cleansed me of my sin. He gave me salvation. He restored my relationship with the Father. Wrote my name in the Lamb's book of life and all of that. But Jesus also says, come to me and I'll give you rest. And that's good news. 
It's good news that he, you know, I, I, my, my sin's been forgiven. That's good news. That's the best news that there is. But what's interesting is that Jesus doesn't come into your life and then boom, he takes you right to heaven. He leaves you here. And Jesus said in this world and this side of glory, you're just going to have all kinds of troubles, all kinds of trials, all kinds of problems. And in the culture we live in, there's all kinds of things that will stress you out. And so this is good news. Not only can you come to Jesus to have your sins forgiven, not only can you come to Jesus, you know, for salvation, but Jesus says, come to me, and I'll give you rest. Beloved, what kind of rest does Jesus offer? Well, he tells us in the text, doesn't he? He says, I will give you rest for your soul. Rest for your souls. That's a a different kind of rest. You see, your problem when you're stressed out isn't overworked muscles. Your problem is an overworked mind. It's a overworked emotions. It's overworked anxiety. It's overworked tension. And what you need is soul rest. Because physical rest isn't enough. Jesus says when you're stressed out, the first thing you need to do is just come to me. L- listen to what one commentator said. It was really, it really just impacted me, the imagery that he gave This commentator said, quote, people today are like the restless sea. And my wife and I used to go to a friend's house who um, um, was in here last hour, and it was over in the Monterey area. And we used to walk down to the beach. You'd see the cliffs, and you'd see the ocean, and this restlessness, and waves crashing, and foam, and it was just, it never, it never ended. And I thought about what this commentator said, that people today are like the restless sea. It's always coming in, going, coming in, going, waves crashing. It's just, there's just turmoil at times. He went on to say this, that people are, today are like the restless sea, seeking peace but finding instead turmoil, tension, fear, and frustration. The world is in a state of unrest because individuals are in the state of unrest. The reason why there's, there's tension in the world, the reason why you got tension over in Libya and tension over in Afghanistan, the reason why you got tension here in the United States is because there's unrest within the souls of people. The reason why there's such turmoil in some of your homes is because there's unrest in some of your souls. And so you come home and there's just this, and now here you are. And now you got two or three people that have a lot of unrest and there's just this turmoil. The reason why some of your businesses are just, turmoil is because you're in turmoil 
There's something happening within you. And that just bleeds out to everybody else. He goes on and says, the world is full of heavy-laden people. They, they may have a smile on their face, but hidden behind the smile is a burden almost too heavy to bear. And as I said, some of you, you know, you, you look great. You got the right clothes on. You got your teeth brushed. Your hair's all combed. You know, you got your makeup on. You, you got this going on. Hey, how are you? Hey, praise the Lord. Good to be at church. Kumbaya, my Lord. And as soon as you walk out the door and get in your car, just stuff. Stress. Whatever all that might be. On the outside, you look great, but on the inside, you're dying. And because you're dying, you're killing off your spouse, you're killing off your kids, you're killing off your parents. Let me ask you a question. Where's the first place you naturally go for stress relief? TV? That's really stupid. Two hours later, you're still watching it. That's just dumb. That's some dumb stuff. Don't turn it. Don't take my eye off that dumb stuff. I mean, it's weird, isn't it? You just want to go and watch something that's just stupid. But just get your mind somewhere else. Get your restless soul somewhere else. How about a jacuzzi? I don't have one of those, but man, I hear that you can get in that thing and you turn it up like really hot and then the bubbles, it's like you're trying to blow the tension out of it. More, more heat! You know, and you get out, you're just like a noodle for, for, for a few minutes and you sit down and pretty soon... The tension's still there, isn't it? For some, it's going to a health club. I just got to go get the endorphins going. <laughs> and, you, and you leave, and for a moment, you feel pretty good. Yeah, I left all the tension, all that, all that sweat on the floor. That's, that's all the tension. <laughs> and an hour later, just the turmoil's there. For some, it's food, it could be sex, porn, alcohol, fishing, golf. A lot of people, when they're stressed out and spiritually empty inside, they, they go on a vacation. I know, I'll go to Tahoe. I'll go to Cabo. And you pack up your bags and you get on a plane and, all right, I'm at 35,000 feet. <laughs> and if you've got family like I do, just get into the airport and get ready on the plane is just... I'm killing somebody. I'm just, I don't care who it is, I'm killing somebody. Then you land and your kids are all goofed up and they're trying to find the toilet and you're playing, your luggage doesn't come and you finally make it and there's this beautiful sunrise and the beach and the stuff and you take your soul that's in turmoil with you, don't you? Now, look, nothing wrong with watching TV, nothing wrong with getting into a jacuzzi, going to a health club, all those things, nothing wrong with going on a vacation. Those things can give you some rest. But they can't give you rest for your soul. And that's the lie that's out there, that those are the places where you can get rest for your soul. That isn't where you find rest 
for your soul. A jacuzzi could never give you rest for your soul. You only get that one place. And Jesus says, come to me. Come to me. He came to me for salvation. Why don't you come to me now for rest? The great prophet Isaiah said this in Isaiah 40. He, that's God, gives strength, and that's not necessarily physical strength, to those who are tired and more power to those who are weak. Even children become tired and need to rest, and young people trip and fall. But the people who trust in the Lord, and let me give it to you in a New Testament concept, those who come to Jesus will become strong again. They will rise up as an eagle in the sky. They will run and not need rest. They will walk and not become tired. Beloved, God says if you'll put your trust in me, if you'll make me the number one priority in your life, if you'll wait on me, if you'll come to me, God says unbelievable things will happen in your life or in your soul. God says I'll give you power and strength that you never knew you had. You'll experience life like you've never experienced it before. But, but how do you do that? Pastor, can you give me something real practical? How, how do I come to Jesus? What, what is it? What's the secret to, to that? Well, Jesus said this in Matthew chapter 6. Um, the journey of faith isn't, you know, we're not building the space shuttle here. It's very simple. It's, it's really simple. Now, there are people out there trying to complicate it and, and, and but, but it's a pretty simple thing. Listen to what Jesus said. He said, when you pray, when you talk with God, when you come to Jesus, go away by yourself. Shut the door behind you and pray to your Father in heaven in private. In other words, find a secluded place. Find a quiet place. Uh, uh, turn off your smartphones. Turn off your cell phones. No blackberries, just you and God. And pray some, talk with God some, read your Bible a little bit, have it be quiet, I don't know, listen to a, a song or two. Then, you see, you have a role to play here. It's when you get alone with God and you leave your phone and your blackberry and your computer and you leave it all and you get alone, secluded with God. It's then your father who sees everything, he'll reward you. And I think a part of that reward, if you will, is rest for your soul. Look, I guarantee you that if you get alone with God and you sing a little bit and you pray a little bit and you're just quiet, you read your Bible or whatever, you'll begin to think less about your problems and all the, the stuff that tends to stress you out and you'll begin to think more about God. You'll be more in tune with God and he'll begin to rejuvenate your life. He'll begin to give you rest for your soul. You'll find yourself reconnecting with God in a way maybe you never have before. The, yesterday I, I told you I went and spoke in, in Fresno and I got up early and I had my little iTunes with my songs, all my Christian songs. I was ready to go, you know, listen to music all the way down and have a rock concert in my car and had a podcast of, you know, one of my favorite preachers. And I had this overwhelming sense when I got into the car that 
God was saying, look, look, look don't, don't turn anything on. I just, I just want to be alone with you, just you and I. I don't want you to sing about me or to me. I don't want you to listen to a message about me. I just want you to be with me, that's all. And so an hour and a half drive down to Fresno was just really unbelievable. And not all of the time, you know, was I talking. I don't know about you, but my wife and I travel around, you know, we do some things together kind of a deal, and not every moment in the car we... That would just be weird. You know what I'm saying? We love each other so much that we can just, we just like being in each other's presence. And we can drive for miles and not say anything. We're just with each other. I think God likes that too. In fact, I know he does. He, he, he's more pumped about you just being alone with him than you're, than you're pumped. The God of the universe has come to me. Let's hang out together. Get alone. Get quiet. Put your phone away. Don't answer it. Don't worry about your texting. Don't worry about all that stuff. Your business, your job, your spouse, your kids. I know about it all. Just be with me quietly. And when you do that, I'll reward you, he says. I'll reward you. But getting alone with Jesus isn't a two, you know, uh, I gave him two minutes. I shut my door and, you know, put my phone on vibrate. And it didn't vibrate for two minutes. And nothing happened. Whoop-de-doo. Whoop-de-doo. That is not what Jesus is talking about in Matthew 6 here. You gotta spend that time alone. Now, obviously, when I got closer to the to the the, 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 the church in Fresno, it was Man, Lord, I sure hope I got the right things to say, God. Would you recall to my mind, Lord, whatever it is I need to say? Would you help me get a, a temperature of the guys and where they're at? I began talking with them. But a lot of it was just quietness. I got my car to, to, to drive home, and it was basically kind of the same thing. Some of you have never done that. Literally taken you know, an hour, two hours, just to be quiet with the Lord. The reason some of you are just so stressed out is simple. You're just not spending enough time alone with God. The Bible says this, the antidote to your stress isn't a plan, it's not a program, it's not a process, it's not a philosophy, and it's not a pill. It's a person. It's the person of Jesus Christ. Jesus says, come to me. Jesus didn't say, come to church and you'll find rest for your souls. He didn't say that. He didn't say we shouldn't do this. But he did not say, come to church and you'll find rest for your souls. He didn't say, come to the pastor and you'll find rest for your souls. Some of you have come to me, right? And I've just stressed you out even more. I know. I'm good at that. I don't know why. I, I just, I got a gift. <laughs> I, have the, I have the gift of stressing people out. It's unbelievable. 
Jesus didn't say come to a men's or a women's Bible study and that's where you'll find rest for your souls. He didn't say that. He didn't say get into a small group and that's where you'll find rest for your souls. He didn't say, hey, go work out the temple, you know, keep the temple in good shape and that's how you'll find. He didn't say that. All those things are good things. Nothing wrong with nothing wrong with getting in shape, keeping the temple in shape, nothing wrong with getting into a small group, nothing wrong with all that stuff. You need to do those things. But what Jesus said was, if you want rest for your soul, it begins with you just coming to me. And I hope church is a place that points you to the Lord. I hope when you get in your small group, it's a place that points you to the Lord. I hope when you go to men's, women's groups, they point you. I hope all those things point you to the one who can give you rest for your soul. Anyway, this is, where you, this is where it begins. This is where you find rest for your souls. Just spending some quiet time alone with the Lord. Now, the second thing that Jesus said was this. Second de-stressor, if you will, is take the yoke of Jesus. First you come to Jesus, and now you gotta take the yoke of Jesus. He says, take my yoke upon you. And I want you to know, this, this one's the tough one, especially for the men in this room. <laughs> this one's a tough one. It's one thing to come to Jesus, oh, all right, I'll, I'll get in a car and, you know, and, and, and drive or whatever. I, I can do that. And by the way, guys, I'm not one of these kinds of persons that can go into my office, you know, and get on my knees for like an hour and a half and lay prostrate before the Lord. Are you kidding me? I got ADD, man. I'm, I'm down on my knees for about two minutes and I'm just, hey, hey. I'm like a caged leopard. Ah! Now, I know some of you can do that, and praise the Lord for that. I'm not made that way. And here's the good news. God is okay with me walking around, walking down the canal bank. God's okay with me driving. He's okay with that. Being down on your knees, prostate for three hours is great if you can do it. I know people who do, and I just go, dude, that's just weird. That's just, that ain't right. I just can't do it. But you can drive and be alone with the Lord. Here's the one that's tough. This idea of taking the yoke of Jesus. Because this is all about giving up control. You see, one of the main reasons you get yourself all stressed out is because you're trying to control too many things in your life. Some of you live as if you're the general manager of the universe. God's lucky to have me. If he didn't have me, then I don't, I don't know what would happen. I keep my family going, the world going, the church going, this going, my business going, and this. And if God didn't have me, now I know what some of you are thinking. You're thinking, wait a minute. Pastor, taking the yoke of Jesus doesn't sound like stress relief to me. In fact, it sounds like more of a burden to me than stress relief. Why in the world would I want to take Jesus' yoke on me? I mean, I've already got enough to carry around as it is. Beloved, a yoke actually makes a, a, a load lighter. You see, if, I, if we wrapped a rope around the drum cage and I had it around me, and I started to pull that thing, I, you know. But if all of a sudden I said, hey, DJ, come on up here. And DJ and I got ourselves yoked together. I just cut that load in half, didn't I? 
I just made that load a whole lot lighter because I've got somebody I'm yoked up to. So the yoke actually helps lighten the load. That's why Jesus went on to say in verse 30, for my yoke is easy to bear, and the burden I give you is light. You see, Jesus doesn't add to your load, and you know why Jesus doesn't add to your load? Because he doesn't have a load. He's God. So when you yoke up to Jesus, you're not yoking up to all of his stuff. What, what, is his, what was he worried about? He keeps the earth spinning on its axis. He didn't ask for your help. He made sure that the, the earth rotated the sun. You know, he didn't ask for your help. He kept that. Did any of you worry last night you'd wake up and all the oxygen would be gone? Oh, my God. You know, he made sure he had oxygen. He's God. He has no burden. So when you yoke up to him, he's taking your load, isn't he? You're not taking any of his. None. So all God does is he shares your load. Now let me give you two things just quickly that the yoke symbolizes, and both of them are, are huge in terms of stress re reduction in your life. Number one, a yoke is a, a symbol of partnership. That makes sense. You imagine here's Jesus in a yoke, and imagine here you are in a yoke. You're, you're, you're now partners. Life at times throws heavy things at us. In fact, lots of different Pressures are thrown at us. And basically what Jesus is saying is this, let me become your partner. Because when you allow me to be your partner, I can help carry some of the load. I can help carry some of the burden that's going on in your life, whatever it is. And isn't that a cool thought? I got a lot of things going on in my life. So do you. And Jesus says, let's, let's yoke up together. I created you. I know everything that's going to happen in your life, but let's partner up here. God doesn't get tired. God never pulls a hamstring. He doesn't ever get discouraged. God's never going to go, oh, man, I got to take a break, man. This is too much. No, never. He's God. Psalms 55 says, cast your cares on the Lord. Another way you could look at that is yoke up together with the Lord and he will sustain you. Why? Because you're partners with him. Here's the problem. The problem is, is when you go, nah, nah, no, no good. Now it's all on your back. I know a lot of Christians who, who fall and aren't sustained and it's not because the scriptures aren't true. The scriptures are every bit true. But your role is you've got to stay connected. You've got to make sure you keep the yoke on. Jesus says that my yoke is easy. That's what he said. So if you're feeling overloaded, if you're feeling stressed out, if you're feeling disconnected from God, it means only one thing. You're not yoked together with Jesus because Jesus Christ says that my yoke is easy. This is a great moment for some of you. The reason why some of you are so stressed and overwhelmed 
is you've disconnected yourself from the yoke of Jesus. It's, it's a simple gig here then, isn't it? You've got to reconnect yourself. Beloved, stress and pressure are always symptoms of not being yoked together with God. But number two, a yoke is a symbol of submission. A yoke is used to guide, it's used to control, it's used to direct. The yoke lightens a load, but in return for a lighter load, you've got to give up control because you're not going to yoke up with Jesus and not have him be in control. He doesn't look at you and say, okay, man, whatever you want, man, I don't care. That's not how it works with Jesus. You want the lighter load of being yoked up with Jesus, then you got to give up control. When you yoke up with Jesus, he sets the direction and the pace for your life. When you yoke up with Jesus, it's impossible to get out of step with him. When you yoke up with Jesus, it's impossible to go faster or slower than what Jesus wants. When you're yoked up with Jesus, he keeps you from going off in the wrong direction and getting your life messed up. As long as you're connected to Jesus, he's lightening the load, but he's also the one that you're in submission to. And so you're going to go as fast as he wants you to go. You're going to go as slow as he wants you to go. He's going to keep you going whatever direction you need to go. Here's when you get into trouble. I'm doing this. I'm going to do this with my life. Listen, if you never have enough time to get it all done, it means that something on your to-do list isn't God's will. Because God isn't going to give you less time than he gives you things to do. If you're yoked up to Jesus, you'll have time to do it all. So if all of a sudden, you know, I just, got, I just can't get it all done. Whoo, you just learned something. I've disconnected myself from Jesus. Because why would God give you more to do and not the time to do it? He wouldn't do that. Remember, the enemy, he comes to steal and kill and destroy. That's what happens when you get disconnected. But you want to have a rich and satisfying life. Wow. Just stay yoked to Jesus. Listen, the, 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 the greater your need to control things, the more stressed out you're going to be as a person. That's just the way it is. Now, let me give you a nugget of truth. You're going to be yoked to something in, in your life. Some of you are yoked to a career. It's become your master, right? It, 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 you know, your whole agenda revolves around your career. That's what you're yoked to. Some of you are yoked to some narcotic. It's become your master. Your whole life revolves around that narcotic. Some of you have yoked to a, to a hobby. It's become your master. It sets the agenda for your week, doesn't it? I go here at this time, and some of you, it's a, a health club. Man, that's what you're yoked to. It sets your agenda. I'm here and here and here and here. Some of you are, are yoked to your kid's schedule. 
And so I'm here, I'm here, I'm here, and, and, and oh, well, I know he's got practice Saturday and, and a game on Sunday, so I just won't go to church. You're just yoked to it. it it's driving you. Beloved, everybody's yoked to something, so my suggestion is that you choose the easiest yoke. And Jesus said that his yoke was easy. That's what he said. Anybody want to stand up and call him a liar? He said that his yoke was easy. He said that his burden was light. Here's the weird thing. The truth is, is that most people don't have one yoke around their neck. They've got a whole bunch of them. You've got a financial yoke that you're worried about, right? You've got a health yoke you're worried about. You've got a future yoke you're worried about. You've got relational yokes you're worried about. All kinds of yokes which cause all kinds of stress. And the answer isn't to go on a vacation or whatever. The answer is to do what God says. The antidote to the stress in your life, that inner turmoil, is to come to Jesus and take his yoke upon you. So the first distressor is really just commit your life to the Lord. Come to him. And then the second one is to give up control of your life. And de-stressor number three, learn from Jesus. Come to Jesus. Take the yoke of Jesus and learn from Jesus. Learn to live the life of Jesus. He says, take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you. Because I am humble and gentle at heart and you'll find rest for your souls. Beloved, if you want to reduce the pressure of your life and thus re-energize your life, you've got to learn to live the way Jesus lived. And this is going to take some time. Because you didn't learn to, you know, you didn't develop this stressed out, overloaded, hyperdrive lifestyle in a day. And you're not going to, you know, get over it in a day. You're going to have to unlearn a bunch of habits that you've developed. And you're going to have to relearn how to live the way that Jesus did. And that's just going to take some time. But it's worth it. Now let me give you two huge things that we learn from Jesus. Two huge things. He says in our text, he talks about gentleness and humility. And I thought a lot about this this week. How in the world are these two things going to help you manage your stress? I mean, Jesus didn't say, learn from me, and I will teach you courage, strength, confidence, and endurance. He didn't say that, did he? I wish he would have. He didn't say, learn from me and I'll teach you, you know, time management and goal setting. There's a lot of Christian organizations out there that do all this lame mumbo jumbo stuff about how to manage your time. Jesus said, learn from me. I'm gentle and I'm humble. What? Listen, the reason Jesus didn't say these, these things, you know, I'll teach you courage and strength and all those things, time management, you know, how to set goals, whatever, is because if you want to lower your stress level and thus re-energize your life, you've got to be gentle and humble. Why? Because two of the biggest sources of stress in your life are aggression and arrogance. And as a result, the two biggest de-stressors in life are gentleness and humility. Let me unpack this just for a moment. Let me tell you why aggression is a stressor in your life. Some of you are going to get it. Because when you're aggressive, you don't wait very well. 
When you're aggressive, you have a hard time stopping and pausing and spending time considering what the Lord's will is for your life. Aggressive people tend to jump in with both feet without thinking. And so they get overcommitted because of their own aggression. You hear something, I'm in, count me in. I got another business deal, I'm in, count me in, I'll be in. And a week later, you tell your spouse about it. Oh, by the way, I want you to know I'm invested in this and we're doing that. And oh, women's ministry needs my help. I'm in, count me in. You're just this aggressiveness. And when you're aggressive, instead of just being gentle, you see, gentle people will listen and think about it. Let me see if I can help. I'm not sure that's a great thing for me to get involved in. I don't know if I ought to expand or not. Aggressive people just tend to jump in. Now, how about arrogance? How does being arrogant add to the stress of your own life? Because arrogance is really about control. Beloved, your ego is responsible for more stress than you'll ever know or admit to. Much of your stress comes from your your pride, your arrogance. You try to do it all and act it all and be it all and have it all. Arrogance is, you know, the guy who knows everything. You can't teach him a thing. And Jesus said, you need to learn from me. I'm gentle and I'm humble. There's a humility to the life of Jesus. And two of the things that we can learn from Jesus is just to be gentle and humble. Don't be arrogant. Don't think that you have to know it all and be it all and all that stuff. You don't. How many of you have ever received a wedding invitation or a birthday invitation or, or a graduation invitation? Raise, raise your hand. Well, most of us, yeah. I remember watching TV and uh, I forgot whose wedding it was. It was somebody famous and they were talking about the invitations that went out and you know, who got the invitations and it was just like a who's who of just you know, famous people and and then they talked about who, what chef was going to be there to cook the food. And I was thinking, man, that'd be great. And then, and then who was going to play music at the thing? You know, Sting was going to do their music. And I thought, whoa, that's unbelievable. My wife and I's wedding, you know, we had music, but we had a guy named Stung. We, 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 we couldn't go with Sting, but there was a guy named Stung. I don't know why I did that. In all three hours, that didn't work. But I, I, I kept at it. I just, I kept going, and I just should have, after Saturday night, gone, no. Last hour, last hour was chirp, chirp, chirp. Anyway, I was thinking about this invitation, going, man, that, I wish I could have got invited to that. That would have been unbelievable. And I want you to know, the greatest invitation you're ever going to get are these 61 words that we looked at today. What an incredible invitation. Jesus says, hey, come to me. Come to me. I'll give you rest for your souls. Come to me. Isn't that a great invitation? And Jesus means it. Christian, he he means it. Come to me. Come to me. Get your head back in the yoke. Quit being so, so... Arrogant that you would pull yourself out of that yoke. 
Don't, don't, don't be so, you know, hostile. That, get, get back in there. And then I want you to learn from me, Jesus says. And I want you to know something. You take these three little phrases, come to me, take the yoke of Jesus and learn the life of Jesus. You had to write that on a card. Every morning you get up, you had to say, come to Jesus. I need to take on the, the yoke of Jesus and I need to learn the life of Jesus. You say that every day, over and over again, 10, 12, 50 times a day, and I'm telling you, and you start applying these things, it'll, it'll revolutionize your life, it'll revolutionize your family. It'll revolutionize your business, it'll revolutionize the work environment when you say, I'm coming to Jesus and I'm gonna put on his yoke and I'm gonna learn the life of Jesus. I'm gonna be humble and gentle. It'll change your life. It's the greatest invitation you're ever going to hear. Psalm 62 says, my soul finds rest in God alone. And once again, in a New Testament concept, my soul finds rest when I come to Jesus. When I put on his yoke. And when I learn from him. That's where you find rest for your souls. Why don't you stand over in the, in the venue stand and just close your eyes for just a moment, okay? Just, just close your eyes. and In a moment, Scott's going to pray. But while your eyes are closed, folks, on your way out of here, Saturday, we're just asking you for a half an hour to come and pray. You don't have to pray out loud. But we're going to have a place where you can pray for the staff, the school, have a place where you can pray for some of the people whose names are on the prayer wall. We're going to have a place where you can pray for America, the elections, our leaders. Have a place where we're going to pray for our global and local missionaries. And at all the exits, some of our elders and pastors, there'll be people there. Sign up. Come on down Saturday. Pick a half an hour. And let's pray together. Scott, would you, would you pray?